This episode is brought to you by Libro FM, the first and only company that lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Ours is the Reading Rock Books in Dixon, Tennessee. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports the community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dogs, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, booksellers. The Good Old Days has a special offer for you. Get two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership using the code OLDDAYS, all one word, O-L-D-D-A-Y-S, Old Days. There's also a special offer until the end of 2020 for the holidays. When you buy a 12-month Libro FM gift membership, either for yourself or for someone else, half of that will go directly to the bookstore of your choice. The offer is only valid for new members in Canada and the U.S. Now on to our show. This is The Good Old Days, the podcast at the corner of history and true crime. I'm Maggie Coomer. And I'm Jasmine Brand. And happy Saturday. It is time for our third edition of our listener appreciation short mini-sode episodes. How do I want to say that? I think we've been calling them mini-sodes. They are. So this is our third listener appreciation mini-sode. And it's my turn again. Yay! Uh, Chicago. Chicago, we love you. And, uh, you know, you, you, you seem to appreciate us and, and know us. So I picked a story for you today um, that I think shows my appreciation for you. Sweet home Chicago. Yeah. Jasmine's hometown. What's your fondest memory of Chicago? Ooh, honestly, every time I went to the art museum, that is my favorite museum in the entire world. And I miss it dearly. You know what my favorite place in my hometown is? What? The Nelson Atkins Museum of Art. It's actually my favorite place in the entire world. Like it is. Yep. I love it. I didn't get to go back the last time I was up there. I might just have to make a special trip. Yeah. And I have two. I I mean, that wasn't really, I guess, a memory. Although there's lots of memories in the art museum. Mm -hmm. I want to answer your question again. Okay. Please. (laughs) And say there were two times that I was downtown where it was big events. So the first being in 2008, when Obama won the first time, I was there when he gave his like, you know, yeah, speech. yes, we can. Yeah. So I wasn't in the main part of it. I was in like a secondary part of the park where they had it on all big screens. And uh-huh. I was surrounded by tons of people. Yeah. And I was 17. So I wasn't quite old enough to vote yet, which was a downer. But I got to be there when everyone was celebrating. And I mean, the streets cool. were full of people. And it was just an incredible thing to see. And as I've gotten older, I really like appreciated that more. Yeah. Um, And the other time was a very similar thing, but it was the time that the Blackhawks had first won the Stanley Cup for like the first time in a while. Mm -hmm. And that was you could not move. 
And Chicago's a big city. Yeah. But you could not move in the streets of Chicago when they were having their celebration. And I think they had a parade. And I got to see the Stanley Cup and it was really fun. Nice. So that's cool. Yeah. A lot. Okay. So lots of great memories. Lots of good memories of Chicago. Nice. Love it. Okay. Well, uh, let me ask you something. Have you ever heard of Streeterville? No, actually. Okay. Streeterville. Uh, is a neighborhood right off the shores of Lake Michigan, like on the north side of town. North side. Okay. All right. Like prime, prime real estate. And there is a statue there that was erected in 2010 by an artist named Dennis Downs. And it's of a man named Captain George Wellington Streeter, the namesake of Streeterville. And he, depending on who you ask, was either a squatter or a an original settler of the uh, that area in Chicago. Oh, it's where Navy Pier is. Yes, I okay. do. I'd never have heard it referred to as Streeterville. Interestingly, <laughs> yeah. but I know exactly where it is. Well, <laughs> okay, perfect. So, uh, Captain George Wellington Streeter. I'm going to tell you his story today. Ooh. Okay. So we're going to talk about him. Let's go back to 1886. Captain Streeter was sailing. In Lake Michigan. And he got caught in a squall. Okay. Uh, He was with his wife, Maria. And they were uh, apparently taking this vessel for a maiden voyage because they were going to go get involved in a conflict in the Gulf of Mexico to raid some ships. (laughs) But they get caught in a squall. And he wrecks. His ship runs aground on this little stretch of beach off Lake Michigan, Michigan to the north side of Chicago. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so kind of by the Gold Coast? Exactly the Gold Coast. Okay. A lar- this, the land that we're about to talk about is a large part of the Gold Coast. Okay. Great. Thank you. I appreciate that, you native Chicagoan, because I like <laughs> really don't actually have a frame of reference right now. I'm just yeah. saying words and hoping people know what I'm talking I about. I would say, at least in my frame of reference, I definitely know the Gold Coast. I know exactly where that is. Kay. That's like the very wealthy part of yes. Chicago. Yes. So it makes it is. sense. Yeah. It is. It's prime Grade A real estate. Okay. Okay. All right. So he crashes his ship there. When the clouds clear, you know, he can see this is kind of like a a part of the city that's really not claimed per se. There's like a lot of shacks and shanties and things like that. People who are kind of the outcasts of society are hanging out in this area. But allegedly, Captain Streeter gets the permission of the landowner in Kellogg Fairbank to stay until he can repair the ship. Okay. Well, unfortunately, Captain Streeter got an idea. People needed somewhere to dump their rubbish. So he starts allowing people to pay him to use the area around him and they start dumping the rubbish. Well, the sand starts to mix with the rubbish and all of a sudden the it's a landmass. He's like creating acreage. When it's all said and done, he lays claim to 186 acres of the Gold Coast and he basically plants his flag on it. He references a speculation, like land speculation map from 1820 that didn't show the coast as wide as it was. So he argues that this is outside the border of Illinois. And for the next four decades, he is in a standoff with Chicago as Chicago starts to grow and wants to reclaim the Gold Coast. So there's the setup. (laughs) What do you think? Wow. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> Although it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. So at first, you know, he's just kind of hanging out there. He had permission from the landowner. Then he claims that this isn't a part of that guy's land. And he starts allowing people to dump there. But the real turning point and the and the real reason that people start giving him pushback about basically what he calls his district. He calls it he names it the district of Lake Michigan. But he starts getting a lot of pushback because during the World's Fair of 1893, he starts parceling off acreage of this 186 tract of land on the Gold Coast and he makes a freaking fortune. He basically is like an early real estate developer. Okay, so I want you to remember those words. He's like an early real estate developer. Okay, Okay. so when he starts making a boatload of money, all these people who say like the neighbors who are like, wait, that little piece of beach over there, that should be mine. Right. Just because like this is this guy's a squatter. Like he just came off. And so they start getting like their loan companies and the agencies and stuff to try to try to evict this guy. And. In 1895, he claimed to have received a land deed from President Grover Cleveland that gave him, it was like a land deed. It was like, he owns this land, signed by the President of the United States, okay? So he's going to cling to that for many, many years. Um, But at that point, he declared himself the territorial governor of (laughs) the District of Lake Michigan, and he appointed a military governor named William Niles. So he basically knew, like, they were going to come for him. And so he starts setting up like a military operation. The first real clash between him and police is when the police captain of Chicago, a guy named Barney Bear, comes out in a buggy to like survey the situation. And apparently Streeter, who was very fond of his shotgun, shot, bird shot through the guy's like buggy. And so he he booked it. He hightailed it out. And this was a super big embarrassment. The reason that, that Streeterville was able to get away with a lot of this is because Chicago, the residents of Chicago fucking loved him. The papers, the newspapers would go to him on slow news days just to interview him because he was hilarious and people loved him. Like they knew full well that he probably didn't have any claim to this land. He fought really hard to make sure that people thought he had a claim to the land, but they just loved him. He was a character. So after that, the Chicago police tried to take it by force because it was a total embarrassment to Barney Barney Bear. He sends 500 police officers to evict Streeter and all of the people living in Streeterville. And they basically had a full-on battle. This article that I read called The Streetville Saga by, uh, it was from 1940, this article was written, for the Journal of the Illinois State Historical Society. So that, this is a direct quote from that. Quote, Cap and Niles raised an army of misfits, and overnight they dug in with trenches and barricades. When the police got too close, they fired on them, and the police retreated. So they're basically on the cusp of a civil war, and Streeter, this, like, random like sea captain, is winning, okay? So it was kind of short-lived, though, because enough time passed, because Chicago police didn't know what the fuck to do. Okay, we just sent 500 of our finest police officers to retake a stretch of beach. And this guy who's like homemade all his stuff is like taking a stand and winning. They don't know what to do. Honestly, the police in Chicago are not the most popular, which is probably a big reason Streeter had so much support. Maybe. No offense to the Chicago police. Sure. Little offense. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so as they're trying to figure out what to do... 
rumors start swirling throughout Streeter's camp. Like, oh, my God, the president is sending the National Guard. The army is coming. And they they get spooked. So, like, almost everybody bails. Like, all of the, the volunteer army, they fall away one by one until it is just Streeter and uh, his military governor. And they basically get taken over like they throw him in jail and for some reason they let him out they can't find any charges to uh retain cap on so captain streeter is free to go and goes back to his deal but the troubles are definitely not over so in 1902 cap's convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison because strangely an agent hired by neighboring residents was shot and killed nearby his house and he was convicted but the governor of illinois pardoned him without really any explanation just because he was really popular and a lot of people thought that he had just been railroaded by these rich folks trying to get him off this very lucrative land well you know governors in (laughs) illinois don't have the best reputation either right (laughs) so it's very clear to me why people support this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's basically anti-establishment, okay? Yeah. Um, if this had been 100 years prior, he would have been just fine. But the fact of the matter is, is that this was a thriving metropolis with a, a huge population of wealthy people who wanted that really lucrative land. Like, that's what it comes down to. Um, but he manages to hang on to it until 1918. Um, because in 1918, they took him to court with that forged with that document from apparently from Grover Cleveland, the land grant document, uh, and a judge declared it an absolute forgery. So at that point, agents were allowed to come on and burn, come onto the land and burn his house down. And the press were on the site at the time, and they just had this huge bonfire <laughs> with, with all their stuff. Their furniture had been kept left by the street. Like they were, they were virtually homeless. I, I read a Chicago Tribune article. It said one of the article or one of the reporters said, "Where are you going to sleep tonight?" He's like, "I've got a warm fire behind me." Like talking about his house is on fire. Um, so he was a comedian, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, but he and his second wife, Ma, her name was Ma Streeter, who, by the way, once tried to attack a police officer with a meat cleaver. Um, they went together vowing never to give up on gaining the property rights to their land, what they called their land. But they went to a houseboat. It was a houseboat on the Calumet River. And he unfortunately passed away in 1921. And that was, yeah, three years after he was finally forcibly evicted. But that was between 1886 and 1918 that he held on to a large portion, 186 acres of the Gold Coast, (laughs) after crashing his boat onto it. (laughs) In 20, or I guess 2009, uh, Dennis Downs, a sculptist, an artist in Chicago, was commissioned by a real estate development company called Gullub and Company. And they commissioned this statue. And it's it's Streeter with his, he wore a like a stovepipe hat. Um, he had a green frock coat, like real ratty and shabby. But he had a dog, a Jack Russell Terrier named Spot. <laughs> and so this is a statue of him walking towards the beach, walking towards the coast with his dog Spot in his arms. And this real estate development company um, <laughs> commissioned this, uh, which I thought was hilarious. Because you could look at this from two ways, right? So in reality, 
in in this in the the dynamic in this situation, the real estate company would have been the people fighting against him to gain access to that land so they could sell it for themselves, right? Um, or you could look at him as the real estate developer, which he planted his flag and then made it into a business and started parceling off land and made it into a little town, and it is to this day called Streeterville. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I really want to know like why they would want to commission. I mean, this guy is obviously a character, but I guess it's just like the soul of Chicago. Like Chicago is kind of built on like the backs of crooked people. Like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I so, mean, what yeah. was the the slogan for our governors for a while? Well, I'm not in there in Illinois anymore, but someone made like a state seal, and it changed the slogan to <laughs> Illinois, where our governors serve longer prison sentence than term <laughs> term times. That's funny. <laughs> Which honestly is true. That's funny. <laughs> That's so, yeah, there's like definitely a vein. That's what I was saying. Like, there's definitely a vein of corruption sure. that is just in Chicago's core. Uh-huh. Um, and the people kind of, you know, it's- I mean, Al Capone, all of that is yeah. in Chicago's like being. Right. No, that's a really cool story because I obviously, I knew like, I know the main neighborhoods Gold Coast, Boys mm-hmm. Town, um, all of that. Yeah. South Side, North Side, West Side. But yeah, I didn't know. I mean, this guy story of that. led like a full on rebellion I love and they it. just didn't know what to do with him. I love it. They're like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like I've seen the the pictures of him. I mean, he looks he looks exactly what you would expect. He looks like fucking H.H. H. Holmes, like 50 years later with a big mustache and the top hat and all that. Like, I don't know. Perfect. Also, when you first started this story, you were talking about how he was sailing around in like Michigan to go to the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> what? <laughs> like how difficult? Because um, he would have to go out through. Can you just go down the river? Can either? I guess yeah. I guess you could. It depends on how big his boat was. He was a steamboat operator before. Oh yeah, that would make sense. Because I was thinking, I'm like, he'd have to go out through where all of the Great Lakes are and like into the ocean and then all the way around. I'm like, why would you do that? No, I'm sorry. It was actually, I think it was like the Spanish. It was something. It was a conflict that I really have not studied. But the river makes more sense. I just, I for whatever reason, I pictured it as like a much bigger boat than it probably was. Everyone made a really big deal about how he would call it his district and like they spelled it phonetically like d-e-e-s-t-r-i-c-k instead of district district everyone was like obsessed with pointing out they love to do that to people like in like old why? newspapers and books why i mean that must have apparently that must have just been the funniest thing for readers i'm like it's annoying mm-hmm. I, he's trying to say district i don't care how he said it it's like well was he not from chicago then Oh, he was a Mississippi River steamboat pilot. Okay, that so he would have gone down the river. From the Streetville saga. Mississippi River steamboat pilot. That is how they described him in that article. Okay. Uh, okay, so apparently he... So that makes more sense. I'm like, why would you go all the way around? Central, the Central down. American Wars. That's what he was trying to do. Okay. He bought a ship, but crashed it in the shores of Lake Michigan. <laughs> so he's a really good pilot then. And I said, this area was a kind of a bum zone. <laughs> So, like, I guess the reason, like, so because it was such kind of like a, a shanty town, like his boat being there was like, there's something else, you know, like no one really cared. Well, I guess it was like Central Park in New York before it became Central Park yeah. was the same. It was 
different makeshift housing and neighborhoods that mm-hmm. then they're like, oh, no, we're going to take this and make it into a beautiful park for all of the nice, wealthy people. I mean, this is basically what Aaron Burr tried to do. <laughs> Just take a piece of the the United States and like I'm the territorial governor. But honestly, is that not in the very spirit of the the American people? Yeah. Like I'm just yes. going to take what I want yep. and do what I want with it. Yep. That's that's it. Like that's the spirit of Tie America. Tie it up in a bow, baby. You got it. <laughs> I also love that he expanded this landmass. Like he he did not anticipate that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this like he created more shore with garbage and sand (laughs) that's pretty freaking awesome i think that's cool but yeah anyway that's the story of captain george wellington streeter fun yep the namesake of streeterville in chicago so um i hope you enjoyed this story if you did please head to your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a review we would greatly appreciate it uh jasmine Social well, stuff? Yeah. Well, don't forget to subscribe yeah, as well. subscribe. Subscribe so you get all of our latest episodes. And find us on Twitter at the Good OD Pod and Face Facegram. <laughs> it's owned by Facebook. That's it's perfect. the same thing. It's Facegram. the same thing. Facebook and, <laughs> Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, if you're that way inclined, at the Good Old Days Pod. All right. Well, thank you all so much. We hope you enjoy your weekend. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.